section twenty one of the inheritance by susan edmonstone ferrier this librivox recording is in the public domain volume one chapter twenty one plus quam voile more sound than sense seneca it would have argued ill for gertrude if she could have obeyed her mother's injunctions and looked the thing she was not time and suffering may teach us to repress our feelings but the young and untried heart can with difficulty learn to conceal them the most ingenuous and upright mind may practise self-control but it is only the artful and the mean who will ever stoop to dissimulation agitated and perplexed in vain she strove to appear tranquil and disengaged the very attempt served only to defeat the purpose the more she thought of her mother's strange mysterious behaviour and of what else could she think the more bewildered she became in the maze of her own fancy till at length despairing of regaining self-possession from her own secret communings she hastened to seek it in company and quickly dressing herself she descended to the drawing-room it required no great share of penetration to discover that something more than common was passing in her mind her varying colour her clouded brow her thoughtful yet wandering eye so different from the usual open bland expression of her countenance plainly indicated the state of her feelings lord rossville mr delmore and mrs st clair were at the farther end of the room in earnest conversation she was giving such an account of her visit to mr ramsay and her meeting with major waddell as suited her own purposes and she dilated so much upon the difficulties and importance of their votes and the management that would be requisite to secure them that she at last succeeded no very difficult matter in completely mystifying at least one of her auditors in short she convinced lord rossville and almost persuaded his nephew that the whole issue of the election depended upon her and her family i have a strange headstrong set of beings to deal with said she but i think with a little address and a good deal of attention we shall prevail at last on such an occasion said his lordship neither ought to be wanting my dear madam i flatter myself we are none of us deficient in the former qualification and the latter depends entirely upon ourselves to-morrow mr delmore and i shall make a point of waiting upon such of your relatives and connections as mr delmore here took out his memorandum-book and began to write down the names of major waddell mr ramsay and mr black in his list for the following day i wish we could secure your uncle said he to mrs st clair then turning to lord rossville i find he is the purchaser of the superiorities of death nose which with tonglands and killspindy might with ease be split certainly into four but i think probably into five qualifications these on our side would make it quite a hollow business don't you think so 
why in all human probability it would replied his lordship at the same time we must be cautious how we admit or mistake mere probabilities for absolute certainties in all such cases there must ever be contingencies which it is impossible or at least extremely difficult to foresee or guard against it is a matter of doubt with me whether mr ramsay has yet been in theft in these lands of kindyford and callfold and whether there is not a wadset on the lands of ogleface and haggyscape in all likelihood our opponents are using every means to bring some such corps de reserve into the field also i understand there were two new claims preferred for enrolment on the lands of stonykirk and kilnettles at the last meeting of freeholders and we may reasonably conclude that the roll will be still farther augmented by the adverse party that is if it is possible for them to do so while this colloquy and much more of the same kind was carrying on at one end of the room the other presented lady betty spread out in full dress on a sofa with flora by her side and colonel delmore and mr lindsay at a little distance engaged in some debate gertrude on entering almost unconsciously seated herself at one of the windows apart from everybody but she was immediately joined by her cousins colonel delmore remarked with secret satisfaction the agitation of her look and manner he imputed it entirely to the declaration he had ventured to make which he thought had probably given rise to some discussion betwixt her mother and her and which he had no doubt would end as all such discussions between mother and daughter generally do in favour of the lover but this was not precisely the time when he wished his pretensions to be publicly known and he was rather desirous that miss st clair's emotion should pass unobserved colonel delmore's manner however although guarded and respectful nevertheless carried with it that nameless something which made even the object of his professed idolatry feel he had gained an ascendancy over her and that the worshipped was also the worshipper while he leant on the back of her chair mr lindsay once or twice addressed some remark to her but absent and occupied she scarcely seemed to hear him is it to-day that you would have me begin to sketch your portrait said he with a smile no not to-day replied she in some confusion and why not to paint from nature one must take nature in all her various moods and aspects but i don't love stormy cloudy pictures said gertrude with a sigh colonel delmore looked reproachfully at her as he whispered strange that this day which has been the brightest in my life should seem cloudy to you ah gertrude why do we not view it with the same eyes gertrude blushed deeply but remained silent what o'clock is it inquired lady betty seven minutes to six said miss pratt as she entered and tripping past lady betty joined the group in the window anything new going on here it's changed days with you colonel to be in the drawing-room before dinner we seldom used to see you till the first course was going away surveying gertrude from head to foot what's come over you to-day my dear you're not looking like yourself 
i think you've got too many of these passion-flowers in your head mr edward you must not take your cousin's picture to-day or else she must part with some of these passion-flowers i really don't think they're becoming just let me take out that one and she was preparing to lay her hands upon it when hers were seized by colonel delmore bless me colonel don't be so violent i'm sure i wasn't going to take off miss st clair's head they may well be called passion flowers for they really seem to have put you in a fine passion and you've crumpled all my ruff and squeezed one of my fingers to the bone colonel delmore colouring a little at the transport of indignation he had given way to affected to laugh it off and releasing miss pratt's hands from his grasp said in a loud whisper i beg pardon if in the ardour of my passion i did press your hands too too tenderly impute the blame i don't know what you mean colonel delmore cried miss pratt aloud as she stroked down her ruff and caressed her injured finger with every appearance of ill-humour but i know you've left your marks upon me in a pretty manner i didn't know miss st clair's head had been your property or i assure you i wouldn't have offered to touch it but i know if she's wise she'll take care how she trusts you with her hand after seeing how you've used mine and she held up a red angry-looking finger and shook her ruff and only look at my ruff what's the matter with your ruff asked lady betty it looks very neat i think neat it was more than neat but colonel delmore has spoiled the seat of it and i'll have to get it all goffered over again by the by miss pratt said colonel delmore since you denounce me as the destroyer of your ruff it is a deed for which i merit the thanks of all pious well-disposed persons in general and of the kirk session in particular i read a history of ruffs t'other day which harrowed up my soul and made my young blood to freeze i assure you ever since i have been initiated into the shocking mysteries of rough-making hamlet's horror at sight of his father's ghost has been nothing compared to mine when i behold a stiff well-appointed ruff so completely is it associated in my mind's eye with hoofs and horns blackness and brimstone then going to the library he presently returned with an ancient folio in his hand and turning over the leaves he read as follows with an air of ludicrous horror and dismay the anatomy of abuses containing a discovery or brief summary of such notable vices and imperfections as now reign in many countries of the world etc 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 by philip stubbs fifteen eighty three they have great and monstrous ruffs made either of cambric lawn or else of some other of the finest cloth that can be got for money whereof some be a quarter of a yard deep yea some more very few less so that they stand a full quarter of a yard and more from their necks hanging over their shoulder points instead of a veil but what ye what the devil as he in the fullness of his malice first invented these great ruffs so hath he now found out also two great pillars to bear up and maintain this his kingdom of pride withal the one arch or pillar whereby his kingdom of great ruffs is under propped is a certain kind of liquid matter which they call starch wherein the devil hath willed them to wash and to dry their ruffs well which being dry will then 
stand stiff and inflexible about their necks the other pillar is a certain device made of wires crested for the purpose whipped either over with gold thread silver or silk and this he calleth a under proper beyond all this they have a farther fetch nothing inferior to the rest as namely three or four decrees of minor ruffs placed in gradatum one beneath another and all under the maester devil ruff sometimes they are such nonsense exclaimed miss pratt i really never heard the like of it i wonder how you have patience to listen to it lady betty i really think miss st clair might show more sense than to laugh at such ridiculous stuff there's the gong that's better worth attending to and away walked miss pratt and her ruff the politicians were also roused at the sound and as they broke up mrs st clair said to lord rossville rest assured my lord nothing shall be wanting on my part to gain the suffrages of my family and i have little doubt of accomplishing it since your lordship has thus kindly and considerately given me a carte blanche as it were for my actions upon the occasion i feel most deeply the value of the confidence you have thus reposed in me lord rossville had done no such thing as give or dream of giving mrs st clair a carte blanche for her actions but he loved to hear himself commended whether for what he had done or for what he had not done and he therefore allowed it to pass in the belief that he was indeed all that was kind wise and considerate gertrude as a matter of course was again placed between lord rossville and mr delmore and condemned during a tedious dinner to hear the same political jargon carried on mr delmore now and then changed the conversation indeed out of compliment to her and talked of the views the weather the races and such subjects as he seemed to think suited to a female capacity but it was evidently an effort to descend to such things and gertrude felt only provoked that he should even attempt to be agreeable when they rose from table her mother made a sign for her to follow her to her own room End of section twenty one